Hey everybody, hope you are doing well, um, surviving the quarantine life right now. Um, hopefully you're not going too crazy as of yet. Uh, for those of you who haven't met me, my name's Chandler Richardson. Now, usually this is where I would tell you my job title here at Olive Branch, but that's where it gets a little bit confusing. Um, I think I was hired as the junior high ministry director. My, the plaque on my door says junior high ministry coordinator and Pastor Greg affectionately knows me as the junior high guy. So you can choose whichever one of those uh, you want to call me, but uh, I do get to work with our junior high group and a little bit with our high school group. Awesome group of students, but super excited to be here today um, with you virtually uh, as we are diving back into our study of the book of Acts. So today we're gonna to be talking about baptism and to help you guys get to know me a little bit better, I wanted to share about the day that I was baptized. I was baptized when I was eight or nine years old um, in a midweek service that they were trying out at my old church. And I was one of several kids that was being baptized that day. And as the pastor would bring us into the baptismal, he asked us a few questions, um, just asking about our testimony, why we wanted to be baptized, but he was also asking some get to know you questions. And one of the questions that he asked was, uh, what's your favorite sports team? And all of the kids before me, I was the last kid to go, and all of the kids before me said the Angels. And so, of course, we're in church. Everybody loves that, even though I'm pretty sure the official team name is the Fallen Angels, but that's besides the point. Um, but everybody said the Angels. Everybody's eating it up, loving it. And I get into the tub, and the pastor says, now, Chandler, I know you also have a favorite sports team, but I'm not so sure that people are going to approve of it the same as they've approved of everybody else's. So naturally I'm starting to get a little bit nervous. I back up in the baptismal a little bit and he gives me a, just a nice little nudge to say, it's okay, go ahead. And I timidly lean into the mic and say, the, the Yankees. And just like that, all of the lights in the sanctuary go off, pitch black and the crowd is just roaring. Now, to this day, my senior, my old senior pastor will not admit that it was on purpose, but I know, I know that he did it just to mess with me. Now, seems like a weird story to tell, but the point of me telling this story is to say that, bap that baptism can be pretty confusing sometimes. There's a lot of questions that surround baptism. Do we dunk or do we sprinkle? Do we baptize infants? Or should we wait for them to make a public declaration of faith? When should I be baptized? Should the lights turn off when I'm baptized? Should the pastor body slam me into the baptismal? Is it okay if baby got back is playing in the background? And with all of these questions surrounding baptism, as we are going into Acts, we see that there was also a lot of confusion around this topic, even in the early church. So today I wanna to try to tackle a little bit of that confusion um, and also point to a few key application points in the middle of the passage uh, that I don't wanna miss out on. So let me go ahead and pray for us today and then we will dive into Acts chapter 18. Let's pray. Father God, uh, I just thank you for today. God, I thank you uh, for the ability to still connect and um, just worship and, and have a sermon even though we are being locked into our own houses. Um, God, I pray for the health of, of everybody who is watching and, and those who aren't able to watch, God, um, that you would just keep us healthy, keep us safe during this time. 
And Father, I just pray that you would use this time to continue to, to work in and through us. God, would you speak through me today? Uh, would you open up all of our hearts and our ears to hear what it is that you have to say? In Jesus' name, amen. So, like I said, we'll be in Acts chapter 18 today. And where we pick up, um, the Apostle Paul has just come into Ephesus with a couple named Priscilla and Aquila. And Paul's going to leave them in Ephesus so that he can return home for some time. But about halfway through our passage, he's going to return back into the story. Now, to give you a picture of the city of Ephesus itself, um, I want you to think of like a spiritual ice cream parlor where you walk in and there's this display case full of 31 different flavors. Um, but instead of flavors of ice cream, you've got different spiritualities. So Ephesus was the site of one of the seven wonders, where uh, the, the temple of Artemis, where people worshipped uh, this Greek goddess. It was also kind of the headquarters of magic in the ancient world. And so there's a lot of bad spirituality going on. Just like modern America, I think we have a lot of these bad spiritualities. And so as we're going through this series called True Spirituality over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at the story at uh, Paul going through Ephesus and seeing the bad spirituality and seeing what God shows us as a true spirituality and how that can still apply to us today. And so we're going to jump into Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 24. It says, now a, now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. So let me pause right there. Right off the bat, we hear this baptism of John, and I want to make sure we're on the same page when it comes to baptism. So baptism before Christianity was still a thing. This wasn't something that just came about um, when Jesus came or right before Jesus came with John the Baptist. Baptism was a, a Jewish practice that was used as a cleansing of sins. It was often used as a ritual for proselytes or, or Gentiles who had come to follow the Jewish beliefs and the Jewish God um, to cleanse them of their sins. And then we see John the Baptist come in, preparing the way for Jesus, and he comes to baptize people for a repentance. So not just a cleansing, but a repentance where they are turning away from their sins in preparation to believe in this Messiah who was about to come. John the Baptist talks about the, his baptism in Matthew 3.11. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. See, what Luke is telling us here is that Apollos is stuck with this baptism of John, this baptism that's all about repentance. Now, Apollos is all in on Jesus. It says that he's fervent in spirit, that he's an eloquent preacher teaching accurately the ways of the Lord. But... He's got a few gaps that need to be filled. In our modern context, I would compare Apollos to a street preacher that's out on the corner yelling at everybody, repent, the kingdom of the Lord is upon us. You need to believe or you're going to hell. Luke says that Apollos is teaching accurately. And I think that these street preachers that we see today, for the most part, are 
preaching things that we would find in Scripture. The problem is that that's all they know and that's all that they focus on. They've got these gaps in their understanding of who God is. They're leaving out the love and the grace of Christ. Street preachers get a bad rep because they're so outspoken, because they can be pretty obnoxious about it. But at the end of the day, when we look at a street preacher, we need to recognize that they are Christians. They are fervent in spirit and they are passionate about their belief. They've just got a few gaps. So my question for you today is what gaps do you need to fill? Because I guarantee that the vast majority of the people who are tuned in listening to this right now, myself included, have chunks of theology or doctrine or scripture that they don't get, they don't understand, they, don't, they would not be able to accurately speak about with other people. And I don't think that we should just be complacent in that. I don't think that we should just be okay with being, uh, with having these gaps in our understanding of who God is. We shouldn't be okay with not having the answers, with not having more of God's wisdom. Paul, um, possibly Paul, I should say, um, the author of Hebrews talks about this in chapter, in Hebrews chapter 5, uh, verses 12 through uh, the start of chapter 6. He says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Let me stop right there. How many people have been going to Olive Branch for years or who have been in church for years? And by this time, maybe you should be teaching. You should have a, a good enough understanding that you can teach. But you're at this place where you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. He continues to say, you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and move on to maturity. Let us move on from the milk that we drank as baby Christians. Let us move on, throw the bottle out, and step into the steakhouse of Christianity. Let's start eating the solid food. Let's start getting a better understanding of who Jesus is, of what our faith is all about. But how? How do we do that? I want to point you to a few things that you can do. First thing, and now, some of these are going to be a little bit hard right now with uh, quarantine, um, but, but as we come out of this coronavirus pandemic and step back into the normal way of life, I would encourage you to, to move towards these things. First one being, if you aren't in a small group, join a small group. Find a group of people that you can come in to so that you can be fed by the wisdom of God, so that you can walk through life together. And so that people who have gone through the same things that you've gone through can speak into your life. Next thing would be to go to the apologetics class that we have upstairs during the 9.30 a.m. service. Or to take the love, live, or share class, our keystone classes here at Olive Branch that teach you 
what it means to love God and love your neighbors, what it means to live out your faith, what it means to share who Christ is. Maybe some of you are introverts and not really people, people, people. Um, and this is starting to freak you out a little bit, having to get into these classes or into these small groups. But maybe you really like to read. Next time you're in Barnes & Noble, go over to the Christian living section. Go over to the theology section. Pick up a book that is going to feed you, that is going to give you the solid food to help mature you in your faith. Go to Right Now Media. We have a link on the website where you can go to Right Now Media and watch videos that are going to give you that, uh, that solid food, that are going to give you some more wisdom in your faith. Priscilla and Aquila, um, members of Paul's missionary team that are with him, they give us a great example of a couple who has stepped into a buffet of this solid food. And so as we continue back in Acts 18, starting in verse 26, Luke writes this. It says, He, being Apollos, began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila uh, heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. What we see here is an example of how we are to build and be built. I think I've skipped. There we go. Get you guys on the right track with me on the slides. So to build and be built. Priscilla and Aquila come along and they find Apollo's teaching and he's teaching accurately. And yet they are able to recognize that he doesn't quite have it down. Although he is teaching the ways of Jesus accurately, they still feel this need to explain to him the way of God more accurately. For them to have recognized what he was missing, Priscilla and Aquila had to know their stuff. They had to have studied well enough to spot what an accurate teacher was missing out on. I also want to point out the way that, that Priscilla and Aquila correct Apollos. Luke says that they took him aside. They took him aside. See, it can be so tempting for us to stand up and put somebody on blast when we feel that they aren't accurately portraying who God is or what Christianity is all about. Personally, I have a really hard time with this, with those fear and repentance-based street preachers that I mentioned earlier. They drive me crazy. When I was in college, uh, I was sitting in my dorm room, scrolling through Twitter, and somebody was preaching those fear and repentance-based ideas uh, to somebody that I was following. They were just calling him out on something that he had said, and College Chandler felt like it was his duty to right this wrong, this injustice, and, and call this person out publicly. And so I started tweeting back at him and started trying to correct him publicly. And of course, naturally, he put up his defenses. He built a wall and just started spouting back at me. And it got us nowhere. All we did was had a public argument about Christianity. 
I doubt that it helped to, for other people watching or, or reading to gain any understanding. It probably did the opposite and pushed them farther away to see us arguing in that way. And as I'm, I've been reading through this passage and seeing the way that Priscilla and Aquila address Apollos, I can't help but wonder, how would that have gone? If instead of publicly calling him out, if I would have just sent him a private message, if I would have just sent him a quick message and said, hey, I don't know if, if this is accurate, can we talk about it? Would his defenses have gone up as quickly? Would he have been so quick to argue back? My point, don't be a jerk. <laughs> Unless somebody is actively leading people away from Christ, actively telling a lie, and there is a need to keep those people from falling captive to that lie, from falling captive to that bad spirituality, don't put another Christian on blast. Don't publicly roast them because they're saying something that you disagree with. Instead, I would encourage you to follow the lead of Priscilla and Aquila that we see here. Pull the person aside and have a civil conversation. On the other side, where we've seen Priscilla and Aquila working to build up a fellow brother in Christ, we also see Apollos' willingness to be built. You see, Apollos, it says, was teaching accurately. He was eloquent in his speech. And for him to hear Priscilla and Aquila and, and go off to the side with them and have a conversation and to hear and to receive what they had to say to him, that takes a lot of humility. We as the church are called to build one another up. But for that to happen, we need to be open to being built up. We need to be open to criticism. We need to be open to advice and to different ways of thinking through theology or how we live our lives in an effort to grow with one another. Paul addresses this uh, in his letter to the Corinthians, which is actually the city where Apollos ends up going to continue preaching the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. We were all baptized into one spirit to be one unified body, and that only works when we are willing to build and be built. So as we continue in our story in Acts, in chapter 19, Paul's about to come back into the picture and we're going to move on to a different group of people as Apollos has now left uh, Ephesus and moved on to Corinth and Achaia. In uh, chapter 19, verse 1, it says, It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. So we've got this group of disciples. 
It's most likely as we read through this passage and, and look at a couple other sources, it's most likely that, John, that these disciples are disciples of John the Baptist. And so again, we've got some confusion here surrounding this baptism of John. But it's interesting to me this time that Paul immediately asks them if they had received the Holy Spirit. Tells me that there's a difference between Apollos and this group. Because with Apollos, Priscilla and Aquila pulled him aside and they explained some things to him, but they never doubted that he had the Holy Spirit where Paul immediately goes into, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So this throws up a flag for me that these disciples had probably not heard the whole truth of the gospel. They had maybe heard that from John uh, that the Messiah was going to be here soon, but never got any further than that. They hadn't continued to seek answers to hear that this Messiah did in fact come that this Messiah's name was Jesus, and he did incredible things. He uh, healed the lame. He gave sight to the blind. He was crucified, but then three days later rose from the dead. And that he told us that all we need is to give him our faith, to give him our obedience, and in return, he would give us eternal life and give us his Holy Spirit. Maybe you're in a similar boat. Maybe you grew up in church, hearing about Jesus, hearing that he died for you, hearing and following the basic Christian teachings. Maybe you were even baptized. But my question for you is the same as Paul's question to this group of disciples. Into what were you baptized? Were you, like these disciples, baptized simply for repentance? Were you baptized simply because you thought you were supposed to were you baptized because your parents made you when you were a kid or maybe as an infant? Or did you have a true baptism? To look at what a true baptism is, I want to go to Galatians 3.27. Paul says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. True baptism is putting on Christ. Let me break this down for you a little bit. As I mentioned before, uh, I'm a huge Yankees fan. Love to watch the Yankees, love cheering them on, and when they win or when they lose, and I'm talking about the game, I say, we played a great game. We uh, played terrible out there. We're going to win the World Series this year. I refer to them, uh, to myself, as if I'm a part of them. But until I put on an official Yankees uniform, and step out onto the field to play a game with them, I am not a part of their we. With baptism, we are putting on Christ, clothing ourselves with Christ. We put him on as our uniform. We identify ourselves with Jesus Christ. So when I ask, into what, you were, into what were you baptized, I'm asking, have you identified yourself with Jesus? And were you identified with Jesus at the time of your baptism? Because I think that there is a major difference between going for a swim and getting wet and identifying with Christ. When we identify ourselves with Christ, Paul tells us that we are a new creation and that we are in Christ which means that even though you have lived a life that is in direct contrast to the commandments of God, 
even though you have a long list of moral failures, even though you have lived unnaturally in comparison to the natural order that God has created for his world. He looks at you when you have identified yourself with him. And he no longer sees the sin struggle. He no longer sees the brokenness. He's not worried about all these marks of sin covering your body. He looks at you covered in Christ and he sees Christ. He sees that you are in Christ so that he can give you his eternal life and his Holy Spirit. In fewer words, uh, in verses 5 through 7, I think this is what Paul is trying to get across to this group of disciples. It says, on hearing this, excuse me, back in verse 4, it says, Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. I would assume that Paul then went on to explain more of who Jesus was, went on to explain more of what Jesus did and what he promised. Explained to them that John was paving the way for the Messiah uh, and gave, him, gave them details of what Jesus had done during his life, how he had been crucified and raised from the dead and then ascended into heaven so that his spirit, the comforter, could come to us. In those last few verses, we see that the disciples believe and are baptized. And then Paul lays his hands on them and they start to speak in tongues. Which brings us to another spot of confusion when it comes to this, this concept of baptism of the Holy Spirit. This question of if I didn't speak in tongues when I was baptized, did it count? Well, I didn't. I just had the light shut off on me. Here's the thing. When you believe in Christ, you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descends on you when you believe. Not when you're baptized, but when you believe. You receive the Holy Spirit. And now here, we see that they start speaking in tongues. But how we respond to the, this baptism of the Holy Spirit is different for each person. Because the Holy Spirit moves differently in each person. Because he's a Holy Spirit that may bring you comfort. Maybe for you, he's a Holy Spirit that's manifesting gifts in you that you never had before. Maybe he's a Holy Spirit for you who breaks the bonds of addiction and brokenness. It's a Holy Spirit who is healing something in your life. Or a Holy Spirit who is bringing joy far greater than any other. If you're tuned in watching this right now, and you've never identified yourself with Christ, if you've never made a commitment to follow him, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Whatever platform you're watching on, you've got a, a service host, and they're going to drop a link or give you some directions right now on how to let us know that you want to make a commitment to follow Jesus. And we'll be in touch with you soon uh, to pray with you through that and, and give you some, some further direction. Maybe you have done that. Maybe you've been in church for a long time, but you've never been baptized. Or maybe you were baptized as an infant and now you want to make a declaration of faith to identify yourself with Christ. Maybe you were even baptized when you were really young, but had no clue what you were doing and never saw any fruit in your life 
until years later when you came to truly know him, and now you're thinking maybe it's time to be baptized again. I would encourage you to make a, commit, a commitment to do that today. Again, the service host is going to drop a link or give you some instruction on how to do that. And finally, for those of you who have been baptized, I want you to remember that you are identified with Christ. So my, encur my encouragement to you today is to represent him well. Commit yourself to following the true spirituality that he has set before you, to fill in the gaps of your faith, and to build and be built. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we just thank you for, for sending your son. And God, giving us the opportunity uh, to, to be baptized into his name, to be baptized into his Holy Spirit, and God, to identify ourselves with you. Father, I pray that you would just give us clear understanding of your word, clear understanding of who you are. And God, help us to live out our faith. Help us to love people. Help us to lovingly call people out um, and, and instruct them. God, help us to be built up in your word. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.